Welcome to the Franken Tech Podcast with your hosts, Erwin, Jacob, and George. In this episode, I'm going to talk uh, HTTP or HTTPS and Pineapple Suck. And this is Jacob, and I'm going to talk about password managers and multi-factor authentication. And this is Erwin, and I'm going to be talking about phishing. We're back, and you're listening to episode four for April 19th, 2017, titled Law and Order. Special Franken Tech Unit. In the world of tech, a powerful computer is built from using different components. It's called Frankenstein Design. In our podcast, Franken Tech, we will look at what tools and tips could help you create the best product for your students. Come listen and see what Franken Tech tools we find. Now, did you know, and I'm going to talk about life, is that the Star Wars Rebels series um, has some of the highest ratings it's ever had for a kid show because it's not really for kids. Uh, if you guys had a chance to watch that, um, it's going to have a lot of the stuff that happens in Rogue One is going to be in Star Wars Rebels. So you saw a character called Chopper, which is their R2-D2, and uh, a ship called Ghost that was in actual Rogue One will be in some of the future episodes of Star Wars. So kind of cool concept that they did that so if you haven't watched it it's on disney xd and you get to watch all those episodes darth maul comes back if you don't know if you like darth maul darth maul is back Obi-Wan and Company. no you, you i'm not even gonna tell you you gotta watch it so that's my fun all right jacob all right i'm gonna talk about uh, tech so um there's interesting research that some uh, actual college students created this device that's basically a crystalline metal uh, uh crystal that has special molecules embedded inside the crystal. So in between the metal, there's these special uh, molecules that uh, in this case are attracted to water. So they're extremely hydrophilic. So they grab the water and then the sunlight actually pumps the water out of the crystalline structure. So you can just put it in a little bit of sun and then you can basically something the size of a toaster can generate enough water to give a whole family clean drinking water. And they're not that expensive. So I don't know if you've heard about like in the 21st century, people say that that the crisis is going to be water shortages and there's lots of parts of the world that don't have access to clean drinking water or even just parts of the United States. So this is something that people can potentially inexpensively get access to an unlimited amount of clean drinking water. And unlike like previous things, it doesn't require electricity, and it can get water from air as dry as 20% humidity. So pretty cool, I think, but uh, I'm just excited about it. But NPR did a great story about it if you want to check it out. Mm, that's cool. Right, Erwin? That's cool. Well, I'm going to be doing uh, fun and uh, – wait. No, I'm doing life. <laughs> so um, – this weekend, I was over visiting my in-laws, and uh, for the first time in my life, I witnessed a child taste um, their first popsicle, and uh, it was a lemon, it was one of the Mexican-branded lemon popsicles, and uh, it was so cute. I mean, it's just, I got it on video, and um, anyways, I showed it to Jacob, I'll show it to you, George, in a little bit, but... My God, it's just so beautiful to see a child just do their first taste. Is like, you know, they move their lips and they're like, what is this? And like, hmm, uh, oh my goodness, give me some more. And anyways, it was and just... it's a sour and the sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, it was, it was awesome. Wait, how old is she? She's uh, six, seven months. Oh, so are they going to do the Hispanic, put your face in the cake? <laughs> that is one of the worst things in the Hispanic culture is your birthday cake. You probably put your face in it. So she's going to have a great time with that one. All right. So we're back for episode four. Um, again, uh, our introductions. Uh, my name is George Barsinas. I'm a media specialist for Bellevue Union School District. And I'm Erwin Espino, technology coordinator for Bellevue Union School District. And I'm Jacob Lopez, and I'm the IT director for the Bellevue Union School District. And this is our episode that we have titled The Law and Order Special Franken Tech Unit. And so we're going to look at security and uh, things that you should know about uh, what the internet is and can do and things you can do to help yourself and keep safe. And so uh, before we get into that, we're going to do our in our fill-ups in and out of the classroom. Um, and my fill-up today is one that's a personal one, and it's a story that I um, really uh, liked. Um, Jacob uh, introduced to me in a podcast called 99% Invisible, and they did one uh, just recently, episode 255, I believe, on a uh, the architect of Hollywood, uh, and his name was Paul Williams. 
Williams. And this is a story from the 1920s to 1930s a time period where he built most of the, the architecture of the houses in Hollywood. And he did all these different types of classes of, of architecture, all these different kinds of buildings, mansions, um, uh, all over the place of, of Los Angeles. And the thing that's really interesting about the story is that he was considered the best, but he was an African-American. And at this time period, uh, nobody really um, – uh, everybody knew his name, but a lot of people didn't know that he was um, black. And so when they would come and rec- uh, request him to do their house, he, they would be a little put off by him uh, because they weren't expecting that. And one of the cool things about this podcast story is that they talked about how, what things he did um, to kind of to, – to show people who he was and what he did. And one of the things I really enjoyed about his story was that he um, – as he, when you came to see him, he would uh, uh, immediately ask you, what do you want? What are you thinking about? What is the thing that you are looking for? And he would immediately sit you across from him. So he – he would draw the the like he was like you know you look like you want a family how do you, what do you want your den to look like or what do you want your family room to look like and he would sketch your dream house um, upside down to him but upside up to you so he would draw opposite of you so you could see it and people was eyes were light up and they would fall in the vision of the house because he would do things his your way. But he would be drawing upside down. And I felt that that story was so impactful for me because he worked harder than everyone else. And so what I want to tie with that is a story I heard when I was a youth that made me think about the things that I do. And so the story goes like this. Um, an old man who's who's rich, a young man comes up to him and says, hey, I want to do what you're doing. How do I get to your level? How do I get to be the best? How do I get to your success? And the guy said, hey, come meet me at the beach uh, uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning. And so the kid shows up uh, in his suit ready to like learn from the master and the guy's in the water. And so the guy says, hey, come out with me, young man. Let me tell you my secret. And so the guy wades out to the old man and the old man immediately once he sees the, the youth is a little bit off balance, grabs him. And then dunks him underwater and, and kind of flips him up. So he's holding him underwater and the young guy's grabbing and trying to get himself upright. And he's fighting for air. And then the old man immediately brings him up. And he said, what did you want? He shook the guy. He's like, what do you want? And the guy was like, I wanted to breathe. And he says, this is the secret. When you want success as badly as you want to breathe, that's when you find you know, your path. And I felt Paul Williams drawing upside down, doing the things he did, and inspired me to continue to work on what I'm doing because I want to success as badly as I want to breathe. Paul Williams showed me the way. So that's my, my thing. Thanks, Rich. It's really uh, inspirational. <laughs> For sure. Mine's more on the uh, the uh, the less uh, the more sarcastic side or maybe snarky <laughs> side of things. So we're today we're going to be talking about security and um, how companies look at your can, can spy on you and all that kind of stuff. So I want to share one small way you can you can fight back. So when advertisers put ads on websites, um, let's say they have an ad on uh, on Facebook, Facebook gets paid for hosting the ad, but they also get paid extra for how many people click on the ad. So there's a website um, there's a website called Fat Wallet, and what they do is they share their ad revenue with you. So, um, you can go like they have ads for home Depot. You click on the ad and then they share. And then if you buy something on home Depot, you get a percentage of the money they make from, from having that ad. And when I was in, when I was in college, they had this really awesome coupon where you get a free account for photos. Um, they had a coupon for a free account for photos and every photo account you made, you got $5. So me and my roommates made like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these accounts. And actually, like the the dorm mail system, they they canceled our ability. They said we couldn't use it anymore because all the photos were clogging up the dorm mail system. My friend's dad is a lawyer, lawyer in San Diego. Actually, stopped accepting clients because he was making more money getting these free photos and five dollars per account than he was making accepting uh, accepting clients. And he was like a big wood lawyer. He lived in a gated community. They had a fireplace in every bedroom. He was making more money doing this photo thing. Um, and then, so I had all these accounts and then I had to start getting a mail to my house because the, the dorm mail system broke down and then we started having problems like the local post office because all the mail, like my friend's house in San Diego, between him and his dad, the, the mail, come, the post office said, you had to come pick up the mail. We're not delivering anymore. It's too much photos in the mail truck. And then like a year after I did this, uh, my mom opens the front door to my house and there's a pallet of catalogs because they mailed a catalog to every single one of my accounts. And usually they, my sister works in advertising and marketing. She said, usually a company outsources to sending the mailers out. So, uh, so a third, a third party mailing company sends these mailers and they just got a list of all the accounts. So my mom opens the front door and there's literally a pallet of catalogs for this photo company. So there's nothing like that going on with that wall anymore. Um, I think that people kind of 
learn their lesson. Like I think there was this early days of advertising on the internet where people were like just add, 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 and people realized that like you can't make it too lucrative for the people to advertise for you. Um, but uh, fatwalk.com is a cool resource if you want to um, make a little make a little bit of money from the advertising that you're being subject to by using the internet. Fat Wally, that's awesome. And I put a link to it on the show notes. Thanks. Well, I'm going to be um, my first um, fill up. It's actually, it can be used in and out of the classroom. It's going to be uh, AutoDraw. Actually, I just learned about this this morning as I walked in. George and Jacob both mentioned it to me. And I'm like, what is AutoDraw? Anyways, I checked it out. And I'm not really good at drawing. And I think that's why George recommended this to me. But um, I uh, checked it out and I started drawing a car. And I mean, it didn't look like anything like a car, though. And uh, what it does, AutoDraw.com is essentially you try to draw what you're trying to draw. <laughs> so either, say, for example, in my case, I was doing a car. Uh, it auto-detected that drawing, and it gave me samples of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jacob just drew a car himself, and <laughs> let's see what, what it gives him. And it gave him oh, car. my God. <laughs> so, yeah. It was it, not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, it, anyways, it's a pretty neat tool. Um, and then um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you can actually get these pictures. You can download them. Um, yeah, and then you can save them and uh, use them either in presentations or um, in anything you're basically working on or any projects you're working on. So it's something to check out for sure. I really like it. I, something I'm going to put on my uh, tool bag for sure. Um, autodraw.com. Check it out. Now, I just realized that I'm so excited to get started today that I, I jumped past our personal stories. And I think you combined yours because you added the uh, the auto mailer, right? Yeah. And so um, we, we, we just because we were we were going to share things talking about security. And I think I was so nervous to that to get started that I just jumped right into the the, the ins and outs. But uh, I want to get right into the, the whole law and order uh, part of what we're doing. And this law and order uh, idea that we're coming up with is that um, we're trying to do every episode one in, leads to the next so the whole google thing about what google was came from the birth of frankentech and then now this episode of security is that um it's a cool wonderful tool that's out there so you we had the little dad talk about everything you should wanted to ask about google and you didn't know uh, we're afraid to ask uh this is about the security part i've been making sure that you know uh what is out there and so uh the first frankentech moment um that that i have for myself is that um i know jacob shared a podcast called Re- Apply all. And if you have not listened to that yet, and actually, if you haven't listened to The Moth yet, there's been uh, at least three or four times I've walked to school um, a little bit with tears in my eyes still from the, the Moth podcast stories that I heard. So if you haven't listened to that, please go back and do that. But the one that uh, he just shared with me uh, last podcast was Reply All. And I just have been not, I just haven't been able to stop uh, listening to it. So this is actually going to come from episode 94. And um, it's an awesome story that I wanted to share with you guys about ISP and the whole, um, what what this whole thing just happened with Congress. So um, an ISP is like Comcast or Verizon or whoever you use. Um, I actually use uh, Comcast. They can now spy on your browsing history. And this kind of came out as a as a big news because Obama in October had told um, that passed a bunch of privacy rules that would make it that the internet providers um, could, couldn't sell your personal information to advertisers. So if you heard a little bit in Jacob's story, he was talking about how advertising was a way to make money. Um, the, this law went in a, hasn't gotten into effect, but it was going to go into effect. And so the rules were going to get set at the end of this year. They were going to go in. And so a couple weeks ago, Congress said no to this law. So people freaked out because um, right now the internet provider could basically see every site that you visit, even if you clear your browser history, which I did not know that. And they have a list. So they're allowed to hang on to it if they want to, and they're allowed to sell it if they want to. So the main reason Congress basically is saying that companies like, uh, like is that they said no to this law is companies right now like Facebook and Google can already sell your personal information. And it's just unfair to inner providers like Verizon and AT&T can do it also. So they're talking about balance. And the internet is really founded by this because ads or money makes it go around, makes it work. So they're saying everyone should get your data and sell it. But the difference that I found is that you're no under, no under obligation to 
to, to use Facebook and Google if you don't want to. You kind of sign up and say, I, I agree to these terms. So if you ever hit um, like allow on Google, it'll tell you exactly what information they're going to use or what they're going to get. And most of the time, it's they get your name so they can create the account for you. So that's kind of a different thing. So as much information as Google has, something that's a bit reassuring is they don't have everything. Now, an ISP has everything. So the ISP is the Internet Service Provider. And what ISP companies are saying right now is that they don't collect your sensitive data, like your healthcare information or information about your kids. They, just, they don't sell that. Um, the thing that has happened right now is nothing's really changed. These rules have already been uh, going on. So, like, it doesn't give ISPs any new rights different from the ones that they already have. So, this is nothing has really gone in. This law was going to go into effect to change it. But right now, it, this nothing is status quo right now. So, in general, when you look at the internet, you may want to look how the internet has flourished the last 20 years. You got to think the internet is, is based on, on ads and consumers knowing what you want. So, when you look at Google, you'll notice after a while the sidebar have ads that are there are being directed to you or if you go on um, I know when I go on Amazon and I look for something uh, almost every the next thing I would want shows up right away because it's it's there based on that so if you're now paranoid of your ISP if you're worried about your internet provider because I know right now um, I use Comcast for for uh, internet and for cable um, you there's a couple things you can do and the first thing is there's two types of websites. And I think, Erwin, if you could help me with this to make sure I'm saying this correctly, because this is the one where I, when I got to this, I didn't even know this, but now I'm starting to play with it more, is that the first website says HTTP, and the next one says HTTPS. And the S means secure, right? Correct. Okay. And so, um, so one can see where your ISP uh, is going. Both can see where they're going, but one of them can only see at, at the at the beginning. So if I use the secure the one, domain what's called the main level uh, browsing, or so if you're at a website that, say for example, uh, you're at um, gmail.com, they can see you're at gmail.com, but they can't see anything other than gmail.com. So if you're in your inbox trash or a specific folder reading an email, then you can't. They can't track that. They can't see that. If I'm on the S. Correct. Yeah. If, if I'm on the the, the 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 one without an S, they yeah. could see well, websites, whole, see websites the whole thing. Like uh, like or yeah, like companies like Google, Microsoft, the, the big companies, Apple. Even I mean, not, they don't have to necessarily be big. They will always use uh, a secure format of HTTP. So it will be HTTPS. Uh, so when you're browsing, say you go to your bank account, like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, whatever, they also use those. Uh, Secure methods of, mm-hmm. of web browsing, uh, or um, of, uh, of yeah, of, so um, it's usually the, the the smaller websites that you would want to worry about, like you know things like you're visiting a blog, for example. The, the, a blog might not be uh, uh, secured, or they might not be using a um, basically an HTTPS uh, protocol. So it's just um, Things to look out for when you're browsing, I guess. The, the other thing about it is HTTPS, the website has to be verified by a third party. Mm-hmm. So HTTPS uses something called secure socket layer, and part of that is they have to issue a certificate, and that certificate verifies their identity. So it says, if, if you're going to HTTPS and you're at google.com, com, then that certificate says, this certificate belongs to google.com as verified by this third party, and there's only a few organizations that can issue security certificates. So it's like someone else vouches for that website. Whereas HTTP, if I, I could set up a device like George is going to talk about a little bit later, and I could just redirect your traffic, and HTTP doesn't have any sort of verification of identity. Mm-hmm. So if I go to HTTP Facebook.com, I could just make a fake Facebook.com and internally redirect your traffic to that fake Facebook. Whereas mm-hmm. HTTPS, there's that third-party certificate. So sometimes you'll go to an HTTPS site. Like we have some internal servers that have HTTPS sites, and it says warning the identity of the site cannot be verified. So modern browsers will warn you because we don't have a signed certificate from a certificate authority for our internal servers. But if I type it that way, it still makes it secure for me. So um, in theory, because because the thing about it is someone if, if someone doesn't have a secure, uh, if someone's not actually the verified identity of that of that website, then they could still, it's it's encrypted but you're sending the encrypted data to a website that could be lying about who they are. Mm, okay. So, so it, I could protect myself 
but I'm also playing with the website that's not. So, I mean, if it's an internal thing, like uh, if it's something at the at your work um, and your IT department says, hey, there's this thing, and they let you know about it, I mean, they can also purchase a third-party certificate um, to verify the identity of the internal services. But if you're going to wellsfargo.com or facebook.com or google.com and there's an issue with the certificate, then I would not recommend going there. One of the common causes of the certificate issue, though, can also be the time on your computer, which seems like a silly thing. Mm-hmm. But the certificates all have issue dates and expiration dates. So if the time on your computer's wrong, wrong. then the certificate can be seen as invalid because your browser actually checks your local time and compares it to the time that the certificate's valid. Mm. So. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. So if you're listening to this and now you're going, okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, type in your um, your in your your address bar at the top or the omni bar. Um, if you look at it right now, anything with Google for me, it comes up HTTPS. That's the secure. And then I can also go the other way and it's unsecured. So without the S, that's, that's one of the things right, right away that you can protect yourself. The second thing that you can use is what's, um, it's called a VPN. And I actually did not know what a VPN was until I started reading this article and then looking at this the stuff but it's a virtual personal network which is actually becoming uh, more common and it's basically a connection to a computer that's located somewhere else so if you're browsing the internet it looks like your traffic's coming off the com- off that computer instead of yours so if you um if you you look up Google right now, if you, uh, if you type in VPN, you'll see there's a lot of documentation how to set up on this computer. And I almost felt like when I was reading this, I was I was like that. You know, when you watch the movies and they're like, oh, it's bouncing off this and it's going to Moscow and it's going to Mexico and all that stuff. But a VPN is actually a, a way for you to protect your personal uh, uh, browsing history by doing that. So those are the things I wanted to kind of like you guys know about the IPS, your internet service provider. I will say this, um, uh, this uh, podcast has a really cool thing about um, should I freak yes should I be freaking out about this on a level and they gave this a number four on a scale of one to ten because it's already been out there it's the way the internet works it's kind of our our we we make this agreement when we look for things that we want things to be more of ease and so there's nothing right now that's being sold um, that's personal one of the things I looked up to is like the government can be given everything. They can request everything about you, but when they sell your 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 browsing history, it's just your browsing history. It's not your personal data that they're selling. They're selling what you look at and what you um, see. So that's my uh, first Frank and Tech moment about IPS ISPs, and then what things you can do to protect yourself. Just a couple quick things about the VPN. Is one other reason to use a VPN? I have a friend who's in uh, the Air Force, and he uses VPN to set his location in the United States, so he can watch U.S. shows on Netflix. Um, or if you want to watch British shows on Netflix, you can set, use a VPN to set your location to Great Britain. So some people use VPNs just to set their location because different things like uh, Netflix. What's the other one like Netflix? Uh, Amazon Prime? Amazon. There's Amazon Prime. Hulu. Uh, Hulu. So Hulu's another one where if you set your location differently, you get access to different shows. So some of the oh. people set their location to different countries to get access to different shows. And the other thing about it is so like your search history is anonymized. But there's been a lot of work on artificial intelligence to de-anonymize anonymized data. So there's a university that did uh, Netflix-provided data, and they reverse de-anonymize the data just by looking at usage trends. It's like saying, okay, I'm not telling you who this person is, but this person has a purple shirt on and gray slacks. And if you look at the total population, like in this room, there's just uh, George Irwin and I. I'm the only person with a purple shirt and gray slacks. So you can take data that doesn't seem like it gives people away, but if you have enough information, you can triangulate it and... So a woman was outed as being uh, part of the LGBT community in a Midwestern town through this de-anonymized data. So it was, and so Netflix actually got sued because they provided data. They stripped all the names and identifying information, but people reverse engineered it to de-anonymize information. That's, the, that's part of the concern about the ISPs leaking this anonymous information. Because they look at your search terms and say you're looking at uh, uh, treatments for cancer. And they look at, uh, the, and then they, uh, through other search terms, are able to triangulate exactly who you are. And they can say, oh, it's a, very likely that someone in this household has cancer. And you can imagine with all the changes in healthcare that could affect your ability to apply for, oh my gosh. for healthcare, things like that. <laughs> so not to freak everyone out, I mean, part of this podcast is, yes, you can not use computer. You can go learn to weave baskets or make pottery or whatever and go to like trade, like the, the craft fairs. But generally, to exist in the world, you're going to have to use it. So the purpose of this is just to make you aware and to, to share how to keep you safe. And in that, in that vein, I'm going to be talking about password managers. So with passwords, everyone loves them, right? Everyone has different passwords for every website, and they all just memorize them, right? No one has 
a notepad or a Word document with like my like secret passwords. Like someone in my extended family has a Word document on their desktop. It's called Secret Passwords, and they put all their <laughs> passwords on there. I go to, when I'm working with teachers. I have like lots of times people have a little. Is the flip. document password protected? No. Uh, <laughs> I see, like when I'm working with teachers, a lot of people have like a little flip pad, like they're detective, and like okay, writing down all their secret passwords, like bank accounts, social security number, in their little notebook. Um, and then other people use like an algorithm, so it's like. Like, uh, I have a, a family member that's like, everything's the name of their granddaughter plus the name of the surface. So in my case, it's like my daughter, big Maya, Facebook, Maya, Google. You can imagine if I see my, someone sees my password, Google, it's Maya, Google, then they can figure out that algorithm and break it. So the, the other option is a password manager. So the way a password manager works is you log into the password manager, and then depending on the password manager, either just a place where you store your passwords or it can automatically fill in the passwords. And you, uh, as you store your, as you type in passwords, like for example, LastPass, the one I use, when I go to a website, type in my username and password, if it doesn't know about that website yet, it says, hey, let's say you're typing in your username and password. Do you want me to remember this? It encrypts all those passwords and stores them remotely. So I think about it like a safety deposit box. So the bank has your safety deposit box, but you have the key. So the bank can't actually look at your safety deposit box because you have to, you're the one with the key. So you have to go there and unlock the safety deposit box. So when I log into LastPass, LastPass delivers to my computer an encrypted file that has all my accounts in it, but they can't access that file directly. So I unlock it, it's unlocked locally on my computer, and then when I go to the website, it fills in my username and password automatically. So um, it's nice for a lot of reasons. One thing that's nice, it has a password generator, which, which I use, so I can generate passwords of different lengths and it randomly puts in different character types, so I have secure passwords. It also does a security audit, so as you add more accounts, it says, hey, it looks like you're using the same password on these two websites. You want us to change that for you. And it can also, with some websites, automatically update the passwords for you. So you can say, hey, do you want us to update your Google password? It'll actually go to Google and update your password automatically for you if you want it to. You can also share like secure notes. So if we're running out, use secure notes. So if it's a password to an offline like server thing, like the server's on the network, but it's not a website, then we can share passwords to things like that. And you can also share credentials without letting people actually look at them. I don't I mean I don't use that feature, but let's say you want someone to access your tax information, like your CPA, you can share the password with them. They can access the website, log in as you, but they can never actually look at your password. They can just log into the website as you. So it's a, an extra, extra security uh, feature. Um, so it may kind of freak people out because all your passwords are being stored on one website. But I know that every single security expert I've talked to um, or listened to or read recommends password managers. And for what it's worth, our um, insurance provider, Resig, also rec recommends password managers. Just because no one's really able to memorize all their different accounts. Like, for example, I'm on a Google page right now. I have 23 Google accounts. Most of them associated with the district for different things. I can't remember 23 different passwords just for Google alone plus all my other stuff. So it's a nice way to keep a bunch of different unique passwords securely locked up. So LastPass is the one I use. There's also one password. lots of options. But... Um, I put a link to some things about the last uh, last pass, specifically about some things you want to turn on when you set it up. So um, you want to make it sure it auto logs off when you close your browser, so your browser is not kept logged, in, logged on. And you want to install something called the binary component. I put a link to it that has step-by-step -step directions. That just really ensures that when their websites are decrypted on your machine, that it's done in the most secure way possible. So it's kind of an extra protection uh, for the for the password manager. Nice that's, point, Jacob. That's, that's, that's really good. Um, so what I was going to talk about is um, fishing, and uh, this isn't the type of uh, thing that you go do probably on a Saturday or Sunday morning. You go to the lake or, I don't know, a river or something, you know. <laughs> this is uh, fishing. Uh, what I mean by fishing is um, uh, basically it's an attempt uh, to collect sensitive information um, from you by using, um, there's, I mean, there's hundreds of methods of, of way phishing attacks occur, but in the, in, in the most common, uh, phishing attacks, uh, that may occur are far, what are known farming, which essentially translates to website hijack. So, um, say for example, uh, I own a website called, uh, and, um, Jacob here is a hacker, and uh, he decides I'm going to mess with Erwin. And so what Jacob does is he designs the exact same looking website that I have and um, basically replicates it, but instead all the information that uh, you're inputting on my website, erwinespino.com, 
Jacob's actually collecting that information so he can see your password, your username, and now he essentially has access to all of your content that you may own in erwinespino.com, right? Kind of a dumb example, but you might get an idea there. Uh, and then there's a Dropbox uh, sharing uh, uh, farm or um, phishing scam, which essentially is uh, an email that gets sent to you. So say, for example, I um, do the exact same thing, uh, uh, or, or yeah, I do the exact same thing that I just mentioned with the uh, farming attack, but the difference is I link a fake site and I send it to you using your Dropbox method. Uh, you think, oh, this is legitimate. You click on that link and then um, essentially you're just you're falling victim to another attack. And so it's not fake. You're entering information and all that information is being collected. And so everything is visible to that uh, uh, hacker, right, that they essentially created this, this uh, Dropbox um, uh sharing basically uh, attack or phishing method and then there's another one called uh, or it's used by um, uh, attackers use uh, Google Docs uh, by emailing you or uh, they post in, post them in blogs thinking oh hey click on this link and we can show you how to fix this on your computer and then you click on it and then at the very end things get downloaded on your computer and then all of a sudden you're infected with viruses or other malicious uh, uh, stuff on your, you know, mm-hmm. on your computer. And then um, they want you to pay after that. So those are the three most common phishing uh, 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 attacks. And then there's, there's a lot more. But um, uh, in the end, um, farming is probably the most popular right now uh, just because uh, currently um, actually our county uh, uh, network admin just a couple days ago sent out an email to all of the techs uh, here at Sonoma County and um, basically right now there is a using Chrome or Firefox right now there's a phishing attack that essentially uses uh, real domains real sites uh, and Currently, there's no way for Chrome or Firefox to detect um, if it's legitimate. If it's a legitimate website, even if you're visiting an HTTPS Serious? site, yeah, currently, because it's a, um, if I remember correctly, it's like a programming issue right now. So um, uh, right now, uh, <laughs> the way around it right now is you probably would want to downgrade your browser, which most people probably can't do but uh there's ways you can look that up and and you can do it but right now there's this phishing scam going around where um there's a the example this particular article gives um and it's on wordfans.com and i'll definitely put it on on our on our show notes is uh there's a healthcare uh website called epic and um they uh essentially attackers can send or excuse me these weren't attackers. This, the, what they were trying to do here in this particular article is they were trying to replicate uh, the the fact that you can actually create these phishing websites, and um, so they created a fake Epic.com uh, website, and uh, Chrome was not able to uh, detect which one was uh, real, or Firefox was not able to detect which one was real or not. The only way to know whether it was real or fake was to, uh, you have to get a little techie though, is um, you actually have to copy and paste your URL into either if you're using a notepad um, in Windows or um, you paste it in, I can't remember right now, what do you do in Mac, but uh, essentially it, it translates the, the, the website's link into the actual lingo of what it is. So um, if it's a legitimate website, it would say HTTPS, uh, colon forward slash forward slash epic.com blah 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 if it was fake it would say something in the lines of https colon forward slash forward slash whatever the website xn and then blah 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 a bunch of other stuff that didn't make any sense so that was fake right and so and i know jacob read i think he read the article and so i mean he can probably uh 
I've been noticing this with this. emails. Like I've been getting yeah. emails that say, oh, this is from someone I actually know. Mm-hmm. And it says, oh, you might like this link. But when I look at it, I'm like, well, <laughs> no one would ever send me this. Yeah. When I click on the name, yeah. it'll come up with the email address. If I right click on it, of, of some random thing yeah. that has nothing to do with that person's name. Yeah. But to that addressing, it comes in as the yeah. the the real name, yeah. which is crazy to me. Very, yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the whole thing about phishing uh, scams or attacks, um, they're, they're becoming more sophisticated uh, basically every day. And it's just making um, IT security uh, personnel basically uh, just, they're, you know, people are working around the clock to just kind of figure it out, figuring out those methods and then coming out, you know, either with patches or, ways of securing you know whether google is going to be releasing an update very soon to their browser and i'm sure firefox will be doing the same but um you know unfortunately they get so sophisticated that the best practice is if you get an email from someone um that you know and they're sharing a link i mean if you weren't expecting that link yeah you know just don't open it uh if you if you are expecting an email from that person and there's a link attached to that email then um you know open it uh but if, if you weren't expecting i mean ask yourself i mean is, or i know that sometimes people email each other and and they don't necessarily maybe talk for six months and all of a sudden you get an email from someone and then yeah um and they're trying to actually legitimately share something with you but you know it'd be nice to actually email back and be like hey did you send me this you know yeah. before just because you always want to double check it's just they're getting so sophisticated and there's really nothing that um i mean even uh I've been using computers for a long time, and I mean, I thank God to this day that I haven't yet fallen victim to something like that, but it, it, it's just bound to happen because it's just, they're becoming so sophisticated, so advanced that um, it's, it's just, you know, it, you, it, when you're using technology, it's just, it's not perfect, right? I mean, you're, you're, you can only do so much before, okay, you're like, oh no, it happened to me, and it, it just happens. But it, 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 of course, that's not okay though, right? But Every, there are security um, experts are working around the clock and just figuring out ways, okay, of getting rid of them. But sometimes uh, some of them get through, like this particular case right now, uh, the version of Chrome. Uh, there's a particular version, version 57 for Chrome and version 52 for Firefox. Currently, uh, which is weird, and I find this kind of interesting, is Internet Explorer and Safari browsers are not affected by this right now. Um but um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Uh, Chrome is used, I think, by if not sixty percent of the market right now of in the PC world. Uh, it might be actually higher than that. But um, last time I read, I think it was around that range. And then uh, Firefox is is probably like another I don't know five ten percent. But the point is, um, uh, you know, these these they, they kind of go and attack the bigger market i guess you can say you know who, who's using chrome nowadays a lot of people are and so they're, they're kind of focusing on that but and i'm not saying go use internet explorer safari either i mean i would stick with chrome or firefox but right now just be, be careful yeah yeah and, right. and the specific attack for chrome is like very sophisticated mm-hmm. um, so most of the phishing attacks generally rely on you putting in your username and password to your email address on a separate website so general rule i'd say that would protect you from Every single phishing attack we've received in our district is no website will ask for what, uh, your username and password to a different website, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you're at a website that looks like adobe.com, they're never going to ask for your Gmail password. And usually they're trying to get your email password because they're ultimately trying to get access to someone that can request social security numbers, credit card information from another department. So usually the superintendent in the school, the CBO, they're trying to get one of them to get access to their account so they can send an email to the payroll department and say, hey, I need an audit report of all the employees' social security numbers, and they hope that they someone sends them back a spreadsheet with all that information. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's what they're actually usually going after. Another thing about it is the reason this attack happens on these two websites, is, uh, or these two browsers, is because it's actually people are purchasing SSL certificates for the international version of the name. So the text, there's the American English in the text bar that says basically says this is American English. There's the international English. So they're purchasing the certificate for the international version of English in the, in the text, in the, in the URL bar. So Google.com is generally registered under American English. But if you, if you purchase a certificate for 
google.com under internet under international english oh that's you, why it says uk on there a lot yeah, so, so you can uh, <laughs> so you can actually register the same domain with a different ssl certificate because it has a different type of english in the bar so i think it's something they're trying to make like a Chinese website, if, that's, if it wants to have an English variant, they want it to show up as English in the URL bar rather than in uh, Chinese characters. So it's like a feature that's trying to make things easier, but it has a security vulnerability. So you see it a lot, like where people try to make something easier to use, but by doing that, it makes it a little less secure. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything about this exploit actually being out in the wild. It's more, a lot of this stuff is just figured out by security experts, and it's shared with the company so they can fix it before mm-hmm. it's actually exploited by hackers. Correct. Correct. So that's where this one looks like it currently lies. I haven't heard about this being exploited in the wild, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you yeah. to... Oh, uh, <laughs> so uh, um, the, next, the next kind of thing that I want to talk about um, is the uh, multi-factor or two-factor authentication. So you have your password manager, you're all happy, you know, perfectly, totally secure. But let's say you click on a malicious email and then someone installs a keylogger on your computer through this malicious email. What a keylogger does is it keeps track of everything you type on your computer and then sends it. It usually can either send it remotely or store it to a USB device in between your keyboard and your computer that someone can pick up later. And you can imagine if you keep track of everything someone's physically typing on their keyboard, you're looking to look for things like you're going to search this text file for wellsfargo.com, bankofamerica.com. And the next thing someone's going to type in is usually their username and password. Or if they're using a password manager, you're going to look for their username and password of that password manager. Then, oh, no, you're hacked. If people have your account information. So that's where two-factor authentication comes in. So for my Gmail account, my LastPass, a lot of my accounts, I have two-factor authentication turned on. So after I log in to my password manager, my Gmail, it says, what's your two-factor authentication? I use uh, the Google Authenticator app on my phone. So I can open my phone or on my smartwatch, open up Google Authenticator, and I have these uh, one-time passwords that last about 15 seconds. They're six numbers long. And so I, and after I type my username and password, I have to type in the six-digit number. And every 15 seconds, those six-digit numbers change. So Google knows what my six-digit number is right now, and they only will accept that one six-digit number. So even if I, after I type my username and password, if no one has my six-digit number, then they can't get into my account. So even if they have, even if someone were to get my last pass username and password, they can't get into my LastPass account unless they also have access to my phone, which is really difficult. And some people even use a third factor, um, like their their uh, fingerprint or something like that. Um, I will warn you, you can look online, YouTube videos. It, you can spoof fingerprints. Um, I mean, how, it's, it kind of depends on how much, like, how Ocean's Eleven you want to get. Is someone really going to, like, take tape and take your fingerprint off a doorknob to get into your phone? I don't know. But... Um, uh, Generally, if you want to be most secure, it's recommended to use a second factor authentication. It's not uh, biometric, meaning like retina, fingerprint, face, because those can all be spoofed right now. So people can hold up a picture of you to the camera to spoof the facial recognition. What? Uh, so I know. Um, That's so cool, though. <laughs> so I know some of the new facial recognitions actually use uh, infrared in addition to facial recognition. So you're, you have to microwave the picture of someone's face. Before. <laughs> I mean, I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't know if people can spoof that yet. They'd have to make a 3D mold of your head and heat it up or something like that. So it's, it's not just looking if you look like it, but it's also looking for heat signatures. But the biometric still has a little ways to go, I think, before it's like as secure as others, two-factor authentications. But there's a YubiKey. Um, I put a link to the Google Authenticator and how you can set it up for your email. Yeah, I want to do that one. So I think uh, the Google Authenticator is a really good idea. Um, I use it for LastPass. I use it for TeamViewer. I use it for uh, all my uh, or my Gmail accounts that have admin permissions. I use it for that. So um, there's lots of different two-factor authentications. Google Authenticator is free, and it works with a lot of different services, and it's really quick and easy. I know Erwin uses it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so two-factor authentication is definitely a good thing to set up for anything that allows it. So that's just something else out there. And it's, it's all, yeah. all this stuff I talked about is linked to in the, in the show notes. All right. So my, my last one is uh, beware of all Wi-Fi. Now, I keep hearing of this from other people saying, what am I doing? So this comes from episode 93 of uh, Reply All, and it covered an interesting story, and it's about something called the Wi-Fi pineapple. And I I thought, oh, it's really cute, and it's like it's such an awesome thing, and now I'm really scared of the word pineapple. So it's very small. It's about the size of your palm, and it's basically just a computer. Um, uh, Erwin, you taught me a little bit about antennas. So I thought it was pretty cool when I started reading this. I was like, oh, it's kind of like some of the stuff Erwin showed me. And which are radios that call out and receive. And there's switches on this that basically allow it to attack um, um, other people. And it's a really powerful little device. So to give you an idea what a Wi-Fi pineapple is capable of is if you're hanging out in Starbucks and you go there and you have your laptop and you're doing work and there's a lot of ton of other people there, you don't realize that if someone walks in with a backpack and inside that backpack is the Wi-Fi pineapple, as soon as they walked in that Starbucks, it starts sending out a signal saying, hey, connect to me, I'm the internet. 
So if you walked into that Starbucks and saw a Wi-Fi called uh, named Starbucks Free Wi-Fi and connect to that one, um, you're connected to the Internet. It does send you to the Internet, but everything will go through him. So like that first thing I talked about, ISP provider, they become your provider and you're going through them. Now, there's a little bit of code in the the pineapple that says that anytime they go to Facebook.com, instead of uh, giving them the secure one, they give you the unsecured one uh, version of Facebook. So it'd be the HTTP instead of the HTTPS. So they can see your your uh, when you're logging in, it'll collect your username and your password. And then this pineapple can be said anywhere because I know I just found this out in the Windsor Town Green. If you want to go a step further, uh, if you go to airports or hospitals or like in the Windsor Town Green, there's free Wi-Fi in the Town Green now, that if I walked around with the pineapple in my backpack, I would be people would be connecting to me and I could be connecting any of their data that they're they're putting out there, I could be collecting it. So it's kind of like now I'm really like when I see that free Wi-Fi, I'm always thinking, who am I connecting to and, and what am I going through? Because anyone can have these little pineapples out there. So one of the biggest things I'm getting out of today is if you get an email from uh, an uncle saying, I have some diamonds and you just send me $1,000, I'm giving it to you. We're pretty smart enough to know that we're not going to fall for that. But now we're getting websites that look like websites. We're getting emails that have uh, uh, now I know the international address because I know when I click on it now I know it always says like the person's name but it's not it says UK or it says some other thing on there I mean I'm starting to putting all these things together but if you don't know it don't sign into it and don't give out your, your username and your password so I'm hoping that you guys go through this and you're not scared about using the internet and you're not looking at the world differently you're not hiding under the blankets and going it's a, it's a mean and cruel world but we all know you know when I was little uh my mom would tell me almost every single day hey george you love candy don't get in the white van with a guy who's offering you candy because you never know what's gonna happen <laughs> never as a kid going it's candy why why are you hating on that it's just candy and now i'm going okay those little stories we're not talking about the white van <laughs> now we're talking about hey that website is secure or unsecured <laughs> so um hopefully you're not freaking out hopefully you understand that we gave you some tips that you can go please go to the show notes i know i'm looking through all jacob's stuff he has all these uh uh links to click on and to go and then again if you want to get more in depth into what i talked about reply all awesome awesome podcast um that will give you tons of feedback on that um but we're going to wrap this up with what's going on around us um and then i'll go first so um i don't win stuff usually i'm the kind of guy that i win a lottery ticket i I try to go for the lottery and then i end up winning like you know the 50 cent uh prize or something i don't win the big stuff and this last uh, q conference we went to at um in napa they had a uh, a big prize and I was like oh that's pretty cool and it was a ticket to their their fall conference um in uh um, in spring no actually their their big uh huge national conference in palm springs uh which is q18 now and they had a free ticket to it and they had the whole thing and i was like oh that's pretty cool and when they called my name out i was kind of like oh i i felt guilty because i I presented there i didn't think i was supposed to grab it and then i looked over at jacob and jay gave me the wink and said you know it's okay and i grabbed it and then after that um i found out my brother's going and then he was talking about sharing a place and so i'm actually really excited about this trip next year about going to a national conference and meeting other educators like myself that are, are passionate about it and then to put the cherry on the top after i did the i'm doing a q um rockstar and because i'm doing the rockstar one of the things they give you is they give you a free ticket to another conference if you want to go to so i am actually going to spend a weekend on the uss hornet which is their battleship, the, the the aircraft carrier. I'm going to go to the Q um, history uh, 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 rockstar event where they're going to have all about history and all about technology on an aircraft carrier while I'm sleeping on the aircraft carrier. And I'm going to have my Top Gun moment out there somewhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up in a flight suit and everything. So I'm pretty excited about that. So that's going to happen sometime at the end of May. Uh, I'll ask. I'll ask. I'll say, hey, can I have a plus one? I have, you know, because everyone has to have their goose. The goose. A Maverick or goose. <laughs> All right. So, what's yours? <laughs> well, um, um, I guess I'll go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. Uh, I don't have an update. I think last time I mentioned I would try to have an update on uh, Thunkable. Last time I shared about uh, the Thunkable um, app uh, creation tool, online creation tool, and um, I uh, started messing around with it. But unfortunately, I don't have a, a beta. Like I said, I would try to have for you guys, but. Um, it's in works, and I mean, hopefully, I can have something really soon. 
uh, and uh, show it to you guys. But one other thing I wanted to uh, mention is, um, I mean, over the last, I think I kind of got interested when uh, uh, around last year, this time last year, Jacob started talking to me about some drones. And anyways, the thing is, I started getting into drones or, you know, looking at the technology, what they're for and all this stuff. So drone technology is is amazing. Um, You can do some amazing photography or even videography uh, with them. Uh, You can capture some amazing moments from really high up in the air. So, I mean, it's just uh, something that I look forward to um, uh, messing around with. So it's, it's just one of the things that I'm looking into right now. So I'm looking at getting one and, and, um, and, you know, doing some things and hopefully I can show you guys some, some stuff I might do with it. So yeah, it's just one. Cool. All right, Jacob. Cool. So right now, um, the county office is pushing this project. It's called Dark Fiber, which sounds like uh, <laughs> I put on the I put on the uh, gen, like on the on the uh, calendar at the district office, and it's like, what's Dark Fiber? It sounds like some sort of like are you meeting with the Sith board or something like that. <laughs> and, and so you know, right now, we get our internet through AT and T. We have to pay AT and T for our connection and the SCO side. So we have uh, a gig at each school, and then we have four gigs at SCO. At SCO. So we have to pay for the SCO end too, and everything's going through AT and T's network. So right now the county office is looking at it's called dark fiber, which means we have an actual piece of fiber going from each of our school sites all the way to the county office directly. And so it's not going through any service provider. So we can increase our speed purely by upgrading equipment. So if the equipment can do 100 gigs, we can get 100 gigs of internet speed. And it's actually a lot less expensive. It's $80 a month um, for basically unlimited speed. Um, and we do have to pay an upfront construction cost, but it's a cool thing. Um, it'll, it'll allow us, with all this talk about ISPs, allow some additional security because our data is going directly on fiber that no one else can look at what's going on there yeah. besides the county office. And we also have a lot more control over uh, things. So I'm excited about it. I hope we're able to do it. Um, a lot of schools are, are looking at doing thing, uh, things like this. It's um, it's a good way for schools to get more control over how their network works and also much faster speed. So right now we're at one gig. With this, we could literally go to 100 gigs, and all we have to do is upgrade our equipment. We don't have to pay AT&T more money for that connection speed, which is pretty cool because right now um, AT&T charges a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm uh, looking forward to that. We're uh, going to find out more uh, next week and hopefully something that we can do. A lot of districts in the county are looking at doing it right now. All right. So here we are. End of our episode four. Can't believe we've done four now, but hopefully you guys are listening to this. And remember, uh, for every uh, Law & Order episode, there's always a message at the end. Please watch yourselves. Don't get in vans with uh, people offering you candy and don't open that email if you don't know it. Thank you for listening to episode four. Uh, we want to give a couple shout outs. This is one first one out to Jonathan, who created this beat, a fourth grader at my school. And also to a couple listeners, Aaron Mole and Anthony Rivera. Thank you for listening and giving us feedback.